What's up, everybody at BW Sports One Nation? This is the Lion, and we are in combat zone. And I am here with Quentin, the hero Henry. Quentin, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, just got done training. Uh, about to eat me some food, take me a little, little rest before I got to go train again tonight, go coach and stuff. There you go. Yes, you are definitely a busy man. Uh, you were, we were talking previously before the show started. You got, you know, you got a lot going on. You know, you got two gyms. You said you got two new, uh, two nutrition uh, based companies down there in Louisiana. Let's uh, before we talk the fights, let's kind of give a shout outs and and you know your your plugs for your different things you got going on down there. Yeah, I've got a Hero Fitness Academy. Um, I've got a jiu-jitsu school in Calhoun, and then uh, I've got a uh, more my gym in West Monroe is more like striking. We do MMA, stand up, boxing, stuff like that. And then uh, I've got the Hero Fit Nutrition, which is in Calhoun, and uh, Fuel Factory, which is in West Monroe. And they're both uh, Herbalife nutrition shops, you know, all natural, sugar-free, you know, all healthy stuff in there. Meal replacement shakes, energy teas, immune boosters, you know, we got all of it in there. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I stay busy with most of the time, uh, working on a little new project, got a little Heroes Old Fashioned. Uh-oh. My sample bottle's coming out, right? Uh-oh. Right? Nice. I got a couple there of these. I send out some samples. Uh, yeah, so I got a buddy with this old-fashioned mix I've been trying to get him to go public with for a long time. And uh, I think I finally talked him into it. So we got a sticker on it, threw a label on that bad boy, and we're running out with it. It's the best old-fashioned ever had. It's just it's that good. Well, you know, I'll send you my address after the show, and you can send me a sample, and I'll plug it away. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. No problem. Right no on. problem. Well, you know, something that caught me, uh, caught my eyes and my ears when I was reading up about you, um, you know, speaking of the, the hero fit, uh, hero fit nutrition, you did something that was amazing and stood out to me, uh, during the COVID you helped kind of keep the first responders and the health, the health workers going with those drinks. Will you tell us about what you guys did down there? Uh, yeah, we had a, ter- uh, knees, uh, sorry, teas for nurses, tea drop, what we did and our energy teas, you know, have, uh, it's like, uh, it's like a healthy Red Bull or a healthy bang or anything like that, you know, but it's all natural. So, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, a lot of the nurses were working long hours and then on, my wife's an RN, my sister-in-law's an RN, my old in-laws are all nurses. My grandmother was a nurse, you know, but it got to the point where they couldn't leave the hospital to go get stuff and, you know. Um, and the teas, uh, help a lot of people through, you know, it gives you that energy and they weren't able to come to us. So, you know, we reached out to the community and we started talking to people about, um, seeing if they would sponsor these tea drops. So we discounted the teas, uh, so that people would be able to, you know, afford more, more of them. And then we, uh, you know, people from the community bought them, we shipped them up, packed them. We, 
we took them up there to the nurses. I think we sold a, or we, we provided about a thousand teas to all the area hospitals um, nice. throughout. So, you know, just something we could do to try and keep things going. You know, when the Rona hit, it, it, it really impacted our sales. And, um, you know, you just got to do things to, to, to get out there and, and bring it to the people, you know, but we were able to help some people at the same time. So, you know, people were chipping in, helping the small business while we were helping out first responders. It was just, you know, it was a good thing all around. Definitely, definitely. Like I said, it caught my eyes and my ears when I was reading up on it. And, I, you know, just congratulations on doing something like that. That's amazing. You know, my wife works in healthcare. My sister-in-law works in healthcare. And we saw it firsthand up here in Indianapolis, you know, what was happening over the course of last year and still uh, going on somewhat uh, around certain parts of Indiana and I'm sure down in the southern states as well. Um, how has that, you know, this past year, you've been in fighting for a while. How is the, what was the difference in, you know, your training all through the years and then all of a sudden last year's 2020 pandemic? Um, you know, I've spent most of my career coaching and competing, you know, so at the same time, while I was always fighting and training uh, myself or trying to get ready, we had a pay bills and have people come in, you know, so you got to coach other people too while you're there. Um, and that really takes a lot away from you, um, you know, because when you get to the level like this, you know, you need to be having one, two, three hours a day on just what you're doing. You know, you, you don't have time uh, to really focus on other people. And, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, I, they closed my gyms. So I had no one to train for three months uh, mm -hmm. except for myself. Um, you know, and I'd already kind of been, you know, in the mindset where I was setting aside time for me to train more specifically. That was one of the reasons I'd left the fire department, uh, just to have more regular schedule. Um, you know, and then we worked through and with the pandemic hit, all I had to do was work out, you know, mm -hmm. um, my wife was at work, my kids were at home, you know, she was still going back and forth, but I'd spend a lot of time with the kids and spend a lot of time with her. And, you know, when she was ready for me to get out of her hair, I'd go to the gym. I'd work out two or three hours, you know. Um, and I, when one of my best friends, Josh, we grew up together. He's real big into working out. And we started uh, his gym closed. So he started training with me. And, uh, you know, we just got, you know, some more equipment to make my gym more, you know, of everything we needed. It was just lacking a couple things. Um, and, yeah, you know, that was when the pandemic hit, the transition just changed. The focus kind of went more towards, you know, I was able to just pay attention to me, um, you know, and more, it was more forced. It wasn't like it was something that I was wanting to do. It was just, you know, when when this pandemic hit, everything else was taken. Um, mm -hmm. You know, all my other businesses were, you know, tanking. The uh, sales were terrible. Um, you know, my gyms were closed. They were bringing in zero income. I'm still having to pay rent. You know, all that stuff was going on. And, uh, you know, but the one thing they couldn't take from me was fighting. And it was the only thing I really had left. And it, it made me appreciate it more. You know, when I used to, when I was younger and all I used to do was obsess about training and fighting and stuff. You know, I, I haven't done that in years. And, um, you know, I was able to get back into that. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I hit my final form over the, the uh, pandemic, really. I was able to train every day. I've been eating right. You know, it was forced also because I was training uh, all year. I had a fight in three or four weeks. All year. Yeah. When's your next fight? Oh, it should be about three or four weeks. And it gets two weeks out and they get pushed back another three or four weeks, you know. So you stay in training camp mode 
um, all year long, it's almost like you become institutionalized, you know, mm-hmm. it's just what you do. So, you know, even I had that last fight in December, by the time I got off, uh, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna take a week off and, and chill just so I can reset or whatever. Well, by Tuesday, I was like depressed. I was like <laughs> bored. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, man, I was just upset all the time. And I'm like, I just, it was cause my routine was off and I'm like, Fuck it, I'll just start training again. Right. And, um, you know, that's what we did. Started training, was working just like I had a fight coming up. I didn't know who we were fighting. Um, I wasn't expecting to fight in February. Uh, you know, they kind of dropped that on me, but I was ready anyway. Um, I think, yeah, cause like the way I fought, I weighed in at 204, but the morning I weigh in, I was 212. So I cut like seven pounds of water, you know, easy cut. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, that following Thursday after the fight, or no, I was 205. I just woke up at 205, but it was because <laughs> when I tried to stop eating right, I got sick and yep. it just wasn't worth it. And I'm like, I'll just keep eating good. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I've kind of transitioned to get my weight back to where I'm about 215 right now. But you know, it's just easier to stay on that routine. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it was, you know, maturity kind of grew up a little bit with a lot of stuff and uh, being stuck, you know, forced into having that routine kind of just keeping me from being able to get out of it. But yeah, it's all working out, you know, it seems like it anyway. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it was a, a blessing in disguise, so to speak, as far as getting you in the gym and getting that habit done, because they say, you know, within 21 days, you can form or break a habit. And it seems like that did well for you. Now, kind of going back before the bare knuckle fights, you obviously had um, about what 18 fights in mma before that i think like 11 and 6 or 12 and 6 i was 12 i was i was 12 and 6 as a pro and i was 12 and 2 as an amateur okay what made you transition from mma to bare knuckle fighting it wasn't much it wasn't so much of a transition it was just i retired from mma um okay I had uh, spent my whole life training MMA. My, you know, I love it, love the sport, um, and it just changed to me. And I got to the point where I didn't enjoy it anymore um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I had a, you know, it's crazy though. One of the biggest impacts that I had in my career, I guess, um, and I just figured this out yesterday. Okay, so I fought this guy like three years ago in the main event. It was uh, Nolan Norwood tough fighter tough guy you know and i was fighting him and he won the fight and in my i hadn't watched the fight since it happened until yesterday it was the first day that i'd ever watched it i thought that fight only lasted 30 seconds i thought we came out touched gloves i hit him he threw a kick and then he caught me with the left hand and i tried to take him down or something and i next thing i know i was choked out that fight lasted four minutes. Really? Yeah. So, like, I'm watching this fight yesterday, and I'm like, <laughs> when did any of this happen? You know, and I was winning <laughs> the fight. I was doing really well. Um, you know, I wasn't, like, dominating, but I was, you know, it was a good fight. It was going good, and he just caught me with a good left hand, and I had my hand down. And, um, man, that completely erased all my memory of what happened. And, um, and you know, that that hurt me a lot but because in my mind i just shit the bed yeah. you know in my mind i came out here and i looked half ass i didn't do nothing and this dude you know made me look like a punk 
And uh, that really wasn't the case. But I took that so hard um, that it made me quit fighting. Um, and uh, that's funny how that works out. You know, it's like you're talking about people have blessings and stuff. You know, it's like everything's a blessing. You just don't always see why or in what way. Um, so, you know, had had I watched that film and looked back at it, I would have looked and been like, damn, man, I was doing good. He just, he, he, lay, he threw a good left when I had my hand down. I should have had my hand up. And, right. you know, I wouldn't have taken that hard at all. Uh, you know, it would have been like, damn, you know, I, I can lose that way. I'm completely okay with losing like that. Uh, but losing the way I thought that I did, um, I couldn't live with that. And that was one of the things that really, you know, and there were, there were a lot of other things, you know, but that had a big impact on it. Um, you know, but the sport in itself had changed so much to where, you know, uh, when, and, and I don't know if you've been to any of the bare knuckle fights or you're, you're uh, been in the back when any of the bare knuckle fights, but the vibe and the feel that you have when you're at these shows now is what MMA used to feel like when I started. Okay. If like in the mid two thousands, you know, because right back in the day when MMA and UFC started and, and what's going on right now with bare knuckle is we all realize that this is bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in MMA, that's not the case in MMA. The fighter is always bigger than the, than the, the sport. So you've got guys like, you know, Conor McGregor and, you know, not, you know, Conor McGregor's an amazing fighter. I won't say anything other than that, but they're willing to put themselves ahead of the sport at no matter the cost to the sport. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I spent my entire life, you know, I'm a firefighter. I was a firefighter forever and, and did a lot of things like that. And I got, I got stereotyped and, uh, I guess you typecast into this, this, that I'm a crazy person, mm -hmm. you know, when people would hear that I'm a cage fighter, uh, you know, it's just, people don't want to talk to you. I mean, there were jobs I wouldn't get hired for because I was a cage fighter. Like I almost didn't get hired at the fire department because they, they actually sat me down in an interview and said, uh, you know, if something goes down and, you know, this, this, and that, you can't just, can't be fighting nobody. They asked me that in an interview and I That's... said, yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a grown up. I understand we don't hit. You know right. I mean? Like I was told that my whole life, like, yeah. you know, I said, if anything, I'm the last guy you got to worry about getting a fight. Cause I don't need to prove to any of y'all that I can beat you up. I, exactly. already know I, do. I can. I said, so really what's the point in it? I was like, if somebody gets hit by me, it's because they made a mistake. Like, mm -hmm. don't be, you know, I'm, I'm the last person you're going to have that problem with. But, you know, I stare, I put it, you know, how people treat pit bulls. You know, a pit bull is capable of great harm, but it depends on how it was raised. Yep. Well, because of the way that, that fighters are in MMA now, you're every fighter, if you're associated with the sport, you're treated like a pit bull. You mm -hmm. know, instantly it's like, you know, ah, you know, you don't get that welcoming. I don't, I don't even like telling people that I'm a cage fighter when I first meet them. I usually like wait for them to, to ask or to come up, you know, that way right. they actually take a chance to know me first. Um, right. You know, but bare knuckle still has that, you know, a lot of the guys are, you know, we're, we're still prideful in just the sport. And yeah, we want to do better. We want to make it up, but I think there's a lot of us that want to do it the right way. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, you got a couple guys who've had one or two fights and fought some bums and they're like, I want a title fight. You know, I'm calling so-and-so out. They're like, this ain't the WWE. Right. I need y'all to stop trying to make it the WWE because I'm going to fist fight you. You know, like that's the guys I want to fight. Those guys who are trying to destroy what I love, mm -hmm. I want to fight them, you know? So 
you know, if I can take them out, whether I get a belt or not, it doesn't matter, you know, as long as I can save the sport from, from the evildoers. I love that. I love that because honestly, I, I know wholeheartedly what you meant by all that. You know, I wasn't a pro. I did jump in the cage a few times. Wasn't that great. I'll admit, but I also wasn't in shape. Um, Probably shouldn't have been there, but I had fun because I couldn't play football anymore. So that's what I went. And you saw the progression, or should I say the degression, especially around the local regional scene here in the Midwest, because it went from, you know, people actually wanted to do it and get in the sport and handled it to, like you said, a WWE entertainment type deal. And that's why you can't find regional regional action as much as you used to be able to. I don't know how it is down yeah, yeah, it takes a hit. There's very few, um, there's very few MMA promotions in my state in general, and I think just in the area. But the promoters that work for these, uh, you know, and I'm not saying they're bad people or whatever, but it's just the way the business works. Yeah. Uh, especially here in Louisiana, is that all the promoters are trying to take each other out, and instead of trying to work with each other. You know, it gets to where oh, well, you can't. You can only fight on my shows. You can't go fight you know, down on this other show, or, you know, it might be, well, I have a fight scheduled, you know, or like one promoter will schedule a fight on a certain day and then the next promoter will do it the next weekend. And it's like, damn, you're killing everybody, you know, like you're, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of that going on and I just, I just don't have to deal with it anymore. Now I just, and the thing about bare knuckle is you just show up and fist fight a lot of times. And that's, that's all I want to do. That's all I plan to do. You know, I train to for myself. I train for my mental, you know, uh, health to keep mm-hmm. moving. And I'm never going to stop training. I compete just because I can. Uh, that's it. I, I've, there's no reason for me at 31 years old and in my prime to not be competing. Um, right. You know, it's not to prove a point. It's not to, to do anything else. It's the fact that I train. I might as well be out there trying to see what I can do with it. And, um, you know, yeah, I do want a gold, I want a belt, I want championship titles and stuff. That's my goal, but that's not why you should be training. You should be right. training for yourself. That's just, yep. that's icing on the cake. You know, people are like, talk about, oh, you finally made it. It's like, bro, I made it a long time ago. You know, um, as far as when it comes to, you know, having people that I care about and then, you know, a group of people that I get to train with. And, you know, I've got so much extended family, like in that sense. That, you know, that's why you do martial arts and stuff. It's um, so, you know, all this is just just extra. So, you know, I'm, I'm eating it up. And I don't blame you because let's talk about that fight in December against Jason Fan. If somebody blinked, they may have missed it because it was 25 seconds. And I actually covered the fights that night um, right. from here. Obviously, I did a blog on the website. So we're sitting there and I'm watching the fight and he looks like he's trying to work around your footwork and he tries to come in and all of a sudden you throw that left in there and just lights out. And that was it. How did that, I mean, and I believe that was your first um, fight in, in bare knuckle fighting championship, correct? No, it was my second. Second. Okay. You had one back in what last February before that? No, it was August of 2007, I don't know, 2018, maybe August, 2018. Okay. Okay. So you took a little before the Corona and all that hit. Right. Well, yeah, I had, I had it in August. I had that fight. They wanted me to come back in November, but I had, um, I had 21 tumors removed, um, the first week of November or something. I had that surgery. So that put me off until February. 
to fight again. And then okay. um, that one fell through. And after that, it was one after another with the right. Corona and all. And then they finally got it set for last December. Uh, you got your hand raised. Now, all of a sudden, we're going into February, and you're taking on the Crippler, Chris Lieben, that we talked about. Everybody knows from, you know, the UFC and previous uh, uh, altercations that he had on the shows and this, that, and the other. Now, he obviously has has changed a little bit. You talked about growing up. That happens, that maturity. I saw a quote from you on somebody else's show, and I can't remember which one. But I'll quote, I would be disrespectful. It would be disrespectful for me to hold back. I will give Chris Lee even a glorious death. Explain that. Elaborate to the to the BW Sports One world what you meant by that, because a lot of people may see it as disrespectful. But me, I see it as being very respectful in your words and what you said. Uh, yeah, I think they cut the short, the cut, the quote a little short. I think I'd said, you know, I'll, I'll give him an honorable death and I'm ready for one too. Uh, but right. it was more, you know, there's, there's a certain type of fighter that you have out there. And I think Chris is probably the things that I've been saying about how MMA's changed and all the things compared to where it was when he first started. I think, uh, you know, strangely enough, me and him are, are a lot more similar than I think he believes, but uh, he's been through that and he sees that and it's kind of the same way that I do. And the pleasure that we get out of bare knuckle is that it's about going out there and fighting. And that's what he's looking for. I don't feel like, you know, a lot of times people call you out or they want to fight you. Uh, you take it as like a disrespectful thing, but in my case, no one called me out and no one wanted to fight me. I had, uh, you know, after every one of these bare knuckle events, every time you got a guy that wins, this happens. Well, then everybody and their mama's on Instagram wanting a shot at him next. Uh, <laughs> you know, I went out there and put these dick beaters on old boy and he couldn't get up <laughs> anymore. And didn't nobody want to say my name. And I yeah. understand why, you know, I'm not mad at him for it. I just thought it was kind of funny. So, you know, when somebody like Chris Lieben comes at you to fight you or ask to fight you, He's not asking to fight me because he thinks he can beat me. He's asking to fight me because he knows if he loses, there's no damn shame in it. And uh, he wants a real fight. And that's the same thing when I'm fighting him. You know, uh, I feel like I'm a way more technical boxer than he is. But at the same time, what he has, he's really good at. Um, you know, and that's why he's been able to do this for so long. But the best thing that the dude has is he wants to fight. And, um, and that's why he picked me. He might say otherwise, but... He picked me to fight me because no one else wanted to fight me. And he wanted to say that he did. And, yep. um, and I, I, I get down with that. You know, I'm about that life. So, oh yeah, um, you know, that's what he wants. I don't want, I want to give him that, you know, and I, I've been a huge fan of him, you know, my whole life since he came ultimate fighter, like we were saying earlier, you know, one of the things about Chris is that he was, he was one of the first fighters that you felt like was real. You know, there were a lot of guys that were trying to put on a show and have a little bit of a personality so they could get their character in this. But that dude didn't give a damn <laughs> at, at all. all. <laughs> he was Chris Lieben and he did what he was going to do. And he came out there and he fought like he was going to fight. And I think that that there was a lot of respect for him in that sense, because that that helps you connect to him because he's a normal guy. Now, I'm a normal guy. You know what I mean? Like I got kids. I take them to school. I drive around, I wash my own dishes and shit. <laughs> you know, so being able to connect with somebody like that is a big deal. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, he's going to go out. He wants one more fight. And I think he thinks the way that I do. If it's going to be my last fight, it's going to be a fucking banger. 
And, uh, you know, if I don't help out with that, then I'm, you know, I'm letting everybody down. I agree wholeheartedly. And you, that right there is the mindset of a true warrior, a true fighter. They don't want to just fight anybody just because they want to, you know, get a better record against PUDs. Like you said earlier, you know, you two want to fight each other because you guys know that you're two of the top dogs in the division and you want to see what you got in you. And so does he, obviously. Now, before we let you go, I got a, a quick section that I'm going to call Rapid Knockout, okay? These five questions that I'm going to shoot at you, and it has really nothing to do with MMA, with bare knuckle, with jujitsu, with anything like that. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. Favorite food? Lasagna. I like it. I'm Italian. I love the Italian. Dude, I make the, I make the best lasagna. Oh man! I I promise you, if when I make it down yeah. south, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to invite myself over when you have lasagna because I, being Italian, I Dude, love firehouse chef. I make this. I, I got I got a couple different Italian families. You know, you're Italian. Every Italian family has their own special sauce. Oh yeah, and y'all don't tell nobody that secret. Uh huh. So like, I've gotten a couple of them and I kind of twist it and add it. But yeah, there you uh, go. I love I'm it. looking forward to that yeah. then. <laughs> Favorite song or type of music? What do you like listening to? Man, I, was, I really listen to everything. I listen. It depends on what mood I'm in. I'm uh, like right now. I've been listening to a lot of the Black Keys, some uh, Tyler Childers. I like Johnny Cash, um, okay. Chris Stapleton. Uh, uh, man, yeah, that's that's been my kick here lately. Been on a lot of that, you know. But I go I go back and forth, you know. When I'm working out, I listen to some Kevin Gates and uh, you know, Little Wayne stuff like that. But so like last night, I was blasting Beethoven when I was sparring. <laughs> you know, so you never know with me. It's just I just gotta feel it when I start hitting the Pandora. I'm like, no, that ain't it. All right, that's it. You know, so uh -huh. you got different frequencies that you work on. I like it. The plethora of playlist coming from Quentin henry's right. playlist i like it man uh favorite sport other than fighting hmm. whether you whether you i know you played football in that high I'm school good, i guess that i'm you, good at my favorite sport growing up was uh basketball is probably the sport i was the best at okay um and then uh but yeah i, I loved basketball uh now i shoot a lot of pool when i'm not fighting but uh okay yeah, I mean, my boys will be playing baseball soon. I'll be back into that for long. There you go. There you go. Now, who's your favorite team? Your basketball fan, who's your favorite team? Uh, it was the Mavericks growing up was uh, my favorite team because, you know, they were right there. Now I really follow I follow the Pelicans a good okay. bit just because they're from uh, – Louisiana, you know, I really, I don't, I'm not a bandwagon guy, but I really like Chris, I mean, Steph Curry, mm -hmm. huge fan of Steph Curry, not so much like the Golden State Warriors, you know, I'm more, I, I'm, I really don't care who wins anymore. I'll just like, there's certain people that I like to watch. Gotcha. You know, Steph Curry is probably one of, the, one of my favorites. Gotcha. As with probably everybody else that is just a freak. It's crazy to think he does. He three points the other day. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Coming off of people talking shit about him. So that was, that was a way to yeah. shut him up. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. favorite role model growing up, whether it be, you know, a personal role model or a, you know, a sport role model, you know, who was your favorite role model? 
Uh, even I mean, I looked up to my dad a lot. I always trained with him and sparred with him and stuff. Uh, you know, I had a lot of good ones growing up. My papa was one of the best guys I ever knew, um, you know, as far as being respectful and, you know, a man of, I guess, honor, you know, type of deal. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, sports and stuff, basketball. I was a huge uh, John Stockton, Carl Malone fan. Um, those were those were my heroes when I was little as far as basketball went. Uh, Steve Nash, huge fan. Boxing, I kept up with a lot of uh, Oscar De La Hoya. I like, um, he was a big one. Roy Jones is probably one of my favorite boxers of all time. Uh, huge Roy Jones fan. But, uh, you know, I like me some Iron Mike just as much as everybody else. But uh, what'd you think I of think that Roy fight? Jones was probably one of my one of my top fighters. What did you I think of that get fight? I to watch it, man. I oh, just okay. got to see some clips. But they, uh, yeah, everybody told me it was kind of just two old guys sparring, but. You know, at the same time, there's a reason that 50-year-olds don't fight professionally anymore. Right. You, know, you can only – people are talking about fighting Mike Tyson and fighting Roy Jones. It's like they're picturing Mike Tyson and Roy Jones when he was 23 years old, mm-hmm. killing and decapitating people. You know, it's like your body just don't hold up the same. And for right. people to have the expectation that they're going to fight each other 30 years past their prime and it's going to be some awesome banger. You know, you got to take that into account too. But you know, you got to watch it more for the technique and and all that than necessarily people just knocking each other out. But you know, I'm, I'm glad they did it. You know, I'm I'm uh, think they raised a good bit of money for it. It's cool to see them, you know, get in shape, have a little bit of motivation, and get back and do something. I know, you know, Mike Tyson kind of helped helped him find himself again in training. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, last question: favorite hobby? Favorite hobby. Mm. Man, I got my garden. I got my chickens. Uh, my wife's got a bunch of chickens that she breeds and stuff, and like okay. we get the eggs from it. I say that's probably my most consistent hobby. Uh, I like to, you know, go. Chickens don't mess with you. I go out there and feed them, you know, and uh, hang out in my garden, and that's kind of my my calm thing to do is just just to be be outside. Now, do you pull the the Rocky Balboa deal and you shut the pigeon or the the chicken coop behind you and let one loose and try to catch it? Oh, bro, I can catch chickens all day. It's the ducks. The ducks are the ones that are hard to catch, bro. They stay low to the ground, and they're like, and they just move, like, constant. They're not like a pause. Like, a chicken's got, like, a little bounce. Uh-huh. Them ducks, bro, I'm telling you, them ducks are hard to catch. Straight line, huh? Okay. That's right. That's right. Well, Quentin, I appreciate your time again. Thank you for coming on to the Combat Zone of BW Sports 1. While we got you real quick, if you got any shout-outs to sponsors or anything like that, feel free to lay them out now. Man, my family, uh, my sponsors, Michael Floyd, I got uh, some sponsors that have come in recently, but I don't exactly know every one of them that it is because they're with my uh, management company, but we'll tag them in all the videos and stuff that we have. But Dr. Traxler, uh, Premier Chiropractic, um, fuel factory, all my shots, my people help me out there, my gym, mainly my coaches and stuff at my gym that are stepping up and helping out so I can go train and, and do all this other stuff. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to do that if they weren't helping me with that. Uh, you know, my wife helps me out with all my stuff. Uh, I got a lot of people that are, uh, you know, supporting me in ways, keeping me focused so I can, I can focus on what I need to do and you know, they know who they are. Uh, you know, I'm sure I won't forget them. They, I'll see them today, I'm sure. You know, I got a tight-knit group. So, But, man, uh, Goat Management, uh, BKFC, Chris Lehman for wanting to, you know, give me the opportunity. Um, you know, just I'm just excited, man. I'm here. 
everybody's got all these questions and what's going on and I'm, I'm just answering them like everybody else type of deal you know so and like i said before you know I've, I've i've accomplished so much just uh not necessarily financially or just you know i've never been you know number two in the world before or anything but uh, just outside of fighting that i've gotten from it indirectly um so you know i could i could retire today and, and be happy with what i've done so the rest of this is just just a little extra well, keep showing us the extra, especially on February 5th, because as a fight fan myself, I can't wait to see you guys go out there and bang each other. So, again, Quentin, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. And we'll be looking at you February 5th down there in Tampa. Oh, yeah, man. Appreciate it. Right on. Have a good there. one, man. Yes, sir. Here we are.